0: Welcome, Hello. To Thinking like, mm, hey, welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice. That's Catherine Rubino. We are from Above the Law, which you may or may not be reading. But uh, if you aren't, welcome to this digest of the top news stories of the week in this little corner of the universe that we call law. I
1: mean, I think it's more than just a digest, right? We add new perspectives. Sometimes, you know, the longer you sit on a story, the um the more annoyed you get by it, that you get a lot more saltiness from both of us. I think that that is a fair assessment of where we are.
0: I think that oh yeah, I mean I think that that sounds about right. So cool. So how are you doing?
1: <laughs> uh, I'm I'm doing okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. That's that is still annoying. In yeah. case in case you were worried, although it did seem sort of um, abortive,
0: yeah, uh, it didn't sound quite right, did it?
1: It didn't. It didn't. You want to try again? Okay. <laughs> it's like premature sound effects or something. Yeah, no, it,
0: it, it's got something wrong. Uh, but maybe I, I don't know. Um, it's okay. We'll figure it it's all right. Out.
1: I think I think our listeners still appreciate the efforts being made.
0: Welcome to Small Talk, everybody.
1: <laughs> How was your weekend, Joe
0: Patrice? Not great.
1: Not great? Hmm. What's up? Yeah, what's up?
0: Well, as, as the real Joe Heads out there now, who listen to all of my appearances, uh, if you were checking Joe out- Joe Heads? The, is that
1: what we're calling your fans? Joe I, Heads?
0: Right? I mean, unless I mean, I mean, there's a better name.
1: I mean, I think it's very funny that you think that there should be a name. I mean- Let's start there.
0: Let's start there. It's a, it's a decent fan club. Is it?
1: Is it? I think so.
0: Anyway, so uh, is there somebody
1: besides your mom in said fan club?
0: No, like, no, there's, there's. I mean, I have, I, I have a robust fan base. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so as the uh, real hashtag Joeheads know, the oh let that uh, and listened to the Legal Tech Week news roundup that we do Which, with the journalists. You know, points yeah. for them
1: figuring out what podcast it is since you can barely name it. It's
0: listen, the point is, uh, if people listen to that, they heard this tale already. But uh, I, despite being vaccinated and everything, have managed to acquire a COVID-19 breakthrough case. Uh, Thankfully, yeah, so uh, I only actually had symptoms for about 24 hours. Thankfully, but not, uh, that doesn't yeah. sound
1: terrible at all. It Yay, was, science!
0: It wasn't, uh, <laughs> though. After a couple of days of being okay, I did lose my sense of smell, uh, mm. which plagued me for most of the weekend. It appears to have come back, you know, midday, midday Sunday. So,
1: so a couple of days, a couple of days, you're without your sense of smell. That's it.
0: Yeah, but that was that was real bad. It's one of those things that you don't think of needing until you don't have it.
1: I mean, I think of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For those who may not realize, in January of 2020, I um, was sick and then somehow lost my sense of smell for six, seven weeks, really. So, I mean, it was before technically anybody knew that COVID was in uh, the United States and I had not traveled abroad or anything like that. But, yeah, I didn't have my sense of smell for for a long time. And it was... I mean, the fact that you had like a day and a half of unpleasantness seems relatively fine compared to the many weeks and the many doctor's appointments I went to. Because back then, no one even knew that losing your sense of smell was a sign of COVID. Or oh, I was yeah. like, I can't smell, doctor. I went to like multiple specialists and they were all, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, like no one had any idea and then when then it finally came out that that was like a, a sign of COVID-19 I had some follow-up telehealth appointment and my one doctor was like do you think that maybe you had COVID-19 and I was like I, I don't know doctor what what do yeah. you think
0: <laughs> yeah
1: so but anyway I'm glad that um you seem to be on the mend your yeah, voice uh, does sound a little little off
0: oh interesting yeah, it sounds yeah. a little,
1: I mean, it sounds like, you know, you have a cold or allergies or something like that. Nothing like crazy.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe, who knows? I probably have everything right now, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, but so it, it was a less than ideal weekend uh, for that reason, but otherwise mm. everything was fine.
1: Gotcha. Well, that's good. But I guess, I guess you were mostly like resting and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm.
0: So cool. Uh, yeah. Anything else?
1: You want to ask me how my weekend was?
0: I did actually, and then you just kind of like charged into turning it in all about well, me. Well, it was which my I birthday understand this that weekend. Impulse. It was oh my well, happy birthday!
1: Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Second full COVID birthday. Not nice. Not my favorite. Not my favorite. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm done. I am. I'm officially over. The, I mean, as if as if anybody isn't, but I am. I am well and good done with this pandemic. This is too much. much just get vaccinated folks and let's let's get to the other side of this as quickly as humanly possible
0: yeah well all right so hey do you want to talk about something like do our job here
1: interesting interesting i thought maybe there was something you wanted to say
0: so let's talk about some of the uh top stories that we had of the week well
1: i mean my my favorite story and Uh i use that Uh, that word the way i said it if you couldn't tell i was using air quotes with my with my voice well Uh, yeah
0: no i don't think people could tell that
1: well my least favorite story maybe um maybe the most notorious story uh, maybe something Mm -hmm. like that is the proper way to say it but there was another incident of a law professor using a slur in a classroom at emory law school
0: Yeah, congratulations, Emery. We can reset that clock of days without slurs in your classrooms to zero. Uh, It had gotten all the way up to like 10 or something like that.
1: Um, (laughs) It's, you know, I I laugh and it is a little bit funny, but it is remarkable the number of incidents that are take place at Emory Law School where professors have been saying various slurs, mostly the N-word, which is, you know, awful. But the most recent was um, a variation, I guess. There are more slurs that certain professors are willing to say. And it was it was a, um, a slur for homosexuality in, in the most recent case. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's not great. It's not great. And, you know, there's a follow-up to the story that, that has more recently come out, but a number of full-time faculty have, have signed a letter pledging not to say slurs in their classroom, uh, no. you know, things that you don't necessarily think you need until you absolutely need it. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, I, I, yeah. yeah, it Go just it,
0: So this has been a frustration that's happened a lot at Emory, but it's not exclusive to Emory no, by no, any no, stretch. no, no, um, In fact... In fact, members of this professor's own family do it at different law schools. Right. Um, so,
1: yeah, this case was um, Sasha Volick and his brother, Eugene, also a professor at UCLA and has I've also written about for using um, other other slurs in the classroom.
0: What gets me about all this? And we, we've talked about this a lot at Above the Law because it keeps coming up. But I just don't understand. I've never understood the logic of it. Uh, and. Every time I hear someone try to defend the logic of it, it it only raises further questions to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, These people who are like, well, these students, uh, if they can't handle this, like, how are they going to handle being a real lawyer? I'm like, well, they're prepared to handle things as a real lawyer. They don't need to be ambushed with completely unnecessary, gratuitous racial slurs in class. How about that?
1: It's really the gratuitousness of it that gets me because there's in a classroom setting, there's zero need for a slur, right? Like there there are euphemisms one can use. You can also, I mean, you just, you know what word folks are talking about. You know, it's not hard. It's not hard.
0: Is there anything in the fact pattern that says, at this point, speaker used, you know, these racial slurs like as, you know, like, Racial slurs for African Americans, and you don't know what that is, yeah. of course, you know what that is because yeah. you're an adult yeah. in law school, yeah, uh,
1: I believe in the in the current case, the most recent case, it was it wasn't even necessarily, i don't think part of a quote that was going around, but they were talking about a case about the Westboro Baptist Church, and mm-hmm. the professor referred to it as you know them. they're the ones who think that you know that gay people or whatever and uh or something along those lines that's not an exact quote but uh needless to say you absolutely could have could have gotten that across by saying you know f-word you know i think we all know which 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 f-word you're talking about in that particular context (laughs) yeah 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 but it seems super super gratuitous and I don't know. I think that sort of the notoriety that certain folks and and I don't want to ascribe motivations to any particular person, but it seems as if right wingers are the ones who continue to do this. And it seems as if there's a a certain notoriety or that they get for doing this and that I don't know what else the point would be.
0: Yeah, it just is so bizarrely unnecessary. And it is always cast in the terms that students are somehow to blame for not wanting to hear racial slurs in their classrooms. And it's it really just keeps coming back to the gratuitousness of it. it mm-hmm. It's It's this presumption on the part of these professors that students have never encountered any of this language before they the exalted professor decides to expose them to it for the first time in their lives when they're college graduates already. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just so, so ludicrous and it's time to put an end to it at these schools. And I'm glad that professors at Emory are starting to uh, think that maybe they should stop.
1: Or maybe I think and, and maybe this kind of goes to the notoriety that's coming from folks who, who willingly use slurs in the classroom is that folks want to kind of draw the lines around themselves, you know, <laughs> be like, uh, uh, yeah, I know there's lots of stories about memory law professors, but this is not us. And this is the group of them that don't want to be associated with it. And I think that, yeah. that that's really what it is, is kind of and, I, you know, it, it makes sense, um, particularly, t- you know, for upper class students who are able to select which professors they get. I would not want to take a class yeah. with somebody who continues to use slurs. Yeah. And I don't think that this that's a like general a matter. I don't think that, that I don't think that that's like a a weird standard,
0: right? <laughs> yeah, like like look, it, it there there are points where sometimes things are can be taken too far. And we had that story that you wrote about of a professor who actually took the step of censoring the slurs that were used in a case mm-hmm. uh, and then he got blamed for even talking about the case. Mm-hmm. Uh that that was too far obviously. Right. And I believe that case teach... that case
1: was eventually settled. There there was negotiations yes. involved and yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is
0: good because mm-hmm. that professor uh, was doing what you actually want. At a certain right. point you do have to cover these sorts of fighting words cases and so on, but mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. don't have to I always go back to, there's a scene in old school where Vince Vaughn's saying that you can tell the kid to put earmuffs on, and then you can say all sorts of swear words, and Will <laughs> Ferrell starts doing that, and he goes, you don't have to celebrate it, you know, like, like <laughs> yeah. you, you don't have to go too far, like, there yeah. are cert- these cases need to be talked about, but that doesn't mean you get to, or should, you know, revel in it, which is what appears to be happening with some of these professors, and professors that do the... Work of censoring the cases and saying, like, here's what happened, we're not going to revel in it, but you know, you've got to grapple with the legal issue. That's that's what you want to see. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I guess at that point, we, yeah. we can uh move on from this law school story. You know, speaking of law school, you, you went to law school? school, yeah, you went to law school to be a lawyer, not an accountant. Ah. Take advantage of NOTA a no-cost IOTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Enjoy peace of mind with one-click reconciliation, automated transaction alerts, and real-time bank data. Visit trustnoda.com legal to learn more. Terms and conditions may apply. Uh, so what do you want to talk about now, I guess? Well,
1: I will tell you, maybe not the biggest story, but certainly the most navel-gazing and enjoyable for that reason story yes. was, uh, I think, something you covered. And Ken Jennings was asked about one of Above the Law's all-time greatest moments in the history yes. of our website.
0: Yes. For those who are big into trivia you are familiar with and ken jennings
1: <laughs> uh, no, i mean
0: like I'm i listen, a I'm, lot the one of who does,
1: I'm the one who does a trivia question of the day at on above the yeah. law so like trust me i i feel you i feel you
0: yeah so uh ken jennings uh jeopardy greatest of all time also is on an abc primetime show called the chase which is a trivia competition that asks some you know it's a, it's an interesting format, whatever, we don't need to get into it, but one of the questions that was asked on a recent episode a few weeks ago was, in 2016, George Mason University gave its law school what name, until Twitter users pointed out its unfortunate acronym? And Do. Do. long time above the law, folks are well aware that it, they named themselves the Antonin, Scali- Antonin Scalia School of Law. Which is known affectionately as ass Law, which we still call it, even though they've now tried to backpedal and call themselves Antonin Scalia Law School to try and get around that. But uh, everybody in the legal space refers to them as ASLAW, and uh, that's why. Yeah. Anyway, so this question was on there, uh, which was great, because it reminded us of the day that this happened. Uh, both of us were working here at the time, mm-hmm. and it was a wild, wild day. <laughs> it was it was March 31st, so the first thing that happened when we first saw they've renamed the law school, we weren't even on the acronym yet, uh, it, but just the mere idea that they would rename the, the law school that... Was so shocking that we immediately thought it was an April Fool's joke, which was going to be the next day. Uh, And as I
1: recall, it's also it wasn't an announcement; it was a leak about a future coming announcement. So it it added to the it added to the oh, is this real? Is this not real? Kind of vibe that we're, we're we're living through.
0: Yeah. So Nina Totenberg leak, you know, reported on it, but at the time, nobody actually was confirming anything. So Mm -hmm. we just were assuming that she'd been trolled by some opportunistic (laughs) person for April Fool's Day, which seemed even more logical, too, because you would think maybe they planted the seed that that's what this was on March 31st, assuming she'd report it on the first. That right, that's when right. the official thing was and it was all going to be a big. Anyway, so we we started going off on this and thinking about it. And as it turns out, someone starts writing the draft of it. And I can't remember who it was. I think it was Ellie Mistal. But whoever started writing the draft then types out an acronym, and realizes for the first time, uh-oh. "Uh oh," <laughs> which is, which I guess that's the the quibble we have with this question that the chase did is it wasn't really that they had this name until Twitter users pointed it out. It was they had this name until Above the Law pointed out that sure. this doesn't work. <laughs> Although we we did in fact do that on Twitter, but uh, we were not the first person. I actually did a deep dive into the archives of Twitter. And we were not the first person to use this acronym. There was a Twitter user who has, you know, under a hundred followers who when he saw the the news, he immediately called it as Aslaw and he tweeted it several times to the, his few followers, none of whom didn't really take off. Uh, a couple people replied to him about how that was funny, but no one with more than 150 followers as mm-hmm. of today so probably even fewer back then but yeah then we uh we jumped on it and uh it became a massive phenomenon utilizing our twitter account to do that so yeah, whether they were, or not well yeah. the other
1: thing i thought was interesting that i was almost uh, and i know our other colleague cece zuretsky back in the day had tweeted about this but the the nickname was almost
0: asshole well yes yeah, so uh, i actually kind of preferred the Ass of Law, uh, because it technically is A-S-S of Law. So I kind of liked Ass of Law or ass uh as we, we and we tested asshole. that one out. But ultimately, brevity wins out always, sure, you know, sure, 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 uh, sure. and that's why it ultimately became Ass Law. But yeah, it was an interesting time. And it, you know, it's one of those moments where you don't quite realize the extent to which you're at the epicenter of a cultural moment. Uh, until after the fact. But, you know, it was seeing this question on a primetime national television show <laughs> that yeah. reminded me I was part of a core group of four of us who or five, four or five of us, I guess, uh, who were at the epicenter of this particular cultural moment. So, yeah, uh,
1: very that's, interesting. That's pretty fun.
0: And retracing it to see like who else was talking about it at the time was was interesting, too. Uh, it was it was a fun trip down memory lane brought on by this story. So that is a little navel-gazing, but, you know, it's a testament to what uh, Above the Law does and uh, has been doing for the last several years.
1: We will always make fun of whatever breaking legal story is happening.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, let's yeah. take a second to hear from our friends at Lexicon before moving on. All right. Well, since you called an audible on the story you wanted to discuss, I think we probably then need to shift gears and talk about one of the more serious stories of the week, which is that the long awaited Durham investigation that Trump kept saying was going to bring down the entire Democratic Party uh, has actually issued an indictment. And it is mm. huh, yeah, eh. Perkins Coie partner. Mm, that's who, not great. Yeah, just a Perkins Cooey partner who apparently gave information to the FBI saying he wasn't doing it on behalf of a client, but Perkins Coie represented the Clinton campaign, even though he didn't necessarily. But he did bill time to them, but that's also because the campaign had a flat monthly retainer, so billing time to them was kind of like a placeholder place for things to go. So that's the the ultimate culmination of this entire drawn-out, unnecessary waste of taxpayer money.
1: Well, it's uh, unfortunate for the partner involved.
0: <laughs> yeah, who now has had to resign. Uh, obviously, this case, uh, that there are people out there like Jonathan Turley who are really trying to pretend that this case is remotely interesting. Unfortunately, as evidenced by the fact that Jonathan Turley believes it, it really isn't. Wow, um, that,
1: is, that is a dig.
0: He is. The, I, I don't know whatever happened to that dude. But you know, one of my favorite things to do is grab legal analysis that he writes and use it as an issue spotter and be like, "All right, kids, mm-hmm. what's wrong with the logic here?" Because it is it it it's it, it's just real broken. Uh, anyway, in this instance, the problem with this indictment for them, and you know, we already saw this with the Greg Craig case that happened where he was ultimately acquitted mm-hmm. because there was no materiality to a false statement. Right. Uh, the problem with this is materiality which you know y- you can you know make a materially false statement without actually misleading people you know for instance a undercover officer may know that you're lying to them, that still, you know, can constitute a uh, materially misleading statement. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's kind of the Michael Flynn situation, which actually that case was also dropped because the Department of Justice decided it was not material because no one was really misled. But in that case, at least it was an attempt to find somebody making a misleading statement. Here, the argument that he wasn't actually doing this on behalf of the campaign, which He probably wasn't, uh, and the reason I I assume that is if you honestly think that he brought something to their campaign and they said, we order you to turn that over to the FBI as opposed to Whoa, that seems like a serious allegation that you should probably take to authorities. Then you've never met a lawyer before because <laughs> lawyers would absolutely were going to not try to get involved in claiming that they were behind it so but, so
1: so to, just to back up for yeah. for a second what were what was the, what was the stuff that that they found that he was
0: researching? A tech executive claims to have uh, says that he had found some link between the Trump campaign and a Russian bank. This dates way back to the 2016 where, you know, Russia influence issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, He claimed that he had some tech evidence suggesting that there was a link Mm -hmm. that was given to his lawyer, Michael Sussman. Michael Sussman, who works for a firm that also represented the campaign, but was working with this other guy. Had some meetings where they talked about like, look, this stuff's out there, and then ultimately went and delivered it to the FBI, saying, "I'm not doing this on behalf of a client, but this information exists, and you should have it." Gotcha. Yeah, it is bizarre how this becomes ma- it's bizarre how it becomes material when the person he handed it to from the FBI has already testified under oath that the fact that the the question of whether or not he was representing anybody was never considered and it had no bearing on the investigation. Seems like that would be yeah, a problem seems like, because...
1: Seems like it's not material at all then. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, if, it, if it in no way... Put aside misleading. If in no way it was going to impact the way in which you investigate, it is hard to claim that it's misleading, but, or, mm-hmm. or that it's material, but uh, alas. And of course, that statement was made under oath because the... Republicans in the House had tried to grill this guy, uh, the, the FBI, on the opposite logic, on the logic that they were willing participants in it all. So they managed to elicit all this testimony that, that didn't help their original theory, but only now proves why this wouldn't be material the under opposite, this new right, theory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, just real Keystone Cops kind of operation but the key to it is it's unfortunate that a lawyer is now out of a job because of what appear on the face of it to be some fairly weak sauce claims but hmm. you know here we are and this was of course brought like as within days of the statute of limitations closing Seemingly, because this guy's just wasted so much money that he needed to do something to kind of justify that he. Look, even so we existed. have an
1: indictment, and, yeah. and and that's the truth of it, right? We talked, we've talked in the past that people only remember the the first time they hear about a story, and then when they inevitably have to drop it or gets it gets dropped by a judge in you know six weeks, who even is going to remember? They're just going to say, "Oh yeah, there was an indictment."
0: Yeah, it, it really is weird. Uh, just as somebody who's done white collar crime before it's just no weird you, no, no no
1: you've rep- you you have not oh, engaged in white collar crime you, you represented correct.
0: as somebody who is representing that that's a good clarification for people who are not lawyers <laughs> I'm like, you are not uh,
1: admitting yeah, uh, once yeah. again do not admit
0: <laughs> that is that is fair yeah we talk about it <laughs> differently uh i guess uh yeah as somebody who has done that practice before mm-hmm. uh, the idea that the government would go forward with something this flimsy is really really telling like just of a breakdown along the path because part of the challenge of doing that kind of work is that the government's usually sufficiently careful about what they do and make sure that they don't bring things that are going to embarrass them down the road i have a hard time seeing how this one doesn't go the distance i can't see based on these allegations this guy trying to take any kind of deal yeah i think that he's got a good enough case to just run this all the way to the end but whatever yeah.
1: that is the difference though when when there is a political and public re- relations aspect to yeah. investigations that are different when it's just a an unknown or or if it doesn't get covered by the media it's like you know below the fold on page you know d17 kind yeah. of cases
0: folks like uh the crazy thing is, folks like Turley are trying to turn this into something and suggesting, well, maybe there'll be more indictments to come. And I was like, the the statute was almost gone before we got to this one. If it, if they're pulling the trigger on the bottom person on the totem pole now, then mm-hmm. they're not going to get very far. Right, uh, right. It really weird. And you know, the the whole theory seems kind of kafacta. Like there's nothing about. Uh, Did you just say kafakta? Yeah.
1: Amazing. Yeah. Go for it, go for it. Continue. But yeah, no, sorry, well, I just to-
0: <laughs> yeah, no. The, the whole logic of it is he misled them with this. But the issue is that the misleading statement was not the evidence, which whether it's true or not, everyone agrees, at least according to this indictment, uh, everyone agrees that folks thought was genuine. Uh, mm-hmm. It's that he misled by saying he wasn't doing it on behalf of a client, which seems like, who cares like right? it's a bookkeeping
1: cl- and, and bonus yeah. inducing query if anything it's the allegation to do with, yeah. the
0: allegation in the indictment is well if they knew that they might have asked other questions and I'm like might have like if you can't write the indictment as this meant they did not ask other questions then you have a real problem uh, right. you're right. the government you the FBI is your people you should know whether they did or did not do something throwing mm-hmm. in that potential abuse that's not gonna fly anywhere right uh, and yeah. just really yeah I, yeah I don't know as somebody who has and i'm not saying the phrase done white collar crime but done the white collar crime practice before practiced uh, in
1: white collar crime <laughs> practiced
0: in that niche area before i like i was just so taken aback by this indictment i yeah. i read it and just could not believe that this is something that the government is signing its name to yeah well, weird you know Alas,
1: we live in unprecedented times, what I wouldn't give for some ordinary precedented times. You
0: you, you got Turley doing his thing. The Wall Street Journal op-ed board like went off on how this is a damning indictment. And I was like, tell me you didn't consult any lawyers without telling me you didn't consult any lawyers. That's your (laughs) that's your (laughs) opinion, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it was it's weird. I mean, yeah, as who knows, Uh, obviously, prosecutions enjoy tremendous advantage built-in advantages when going in front of juries but huh, yeah it, it certainly does not seem like anything that would scare me uh right. and i'm not <laughs> i'm not exactly the world's greatest leader at this and you know the lawyers that sussman has are very good at this uh but yeah anyway cool well
1: you know <sighs> i think this that's is it. why we have insurance right
0: yeah well yeah, thanks I everybody say- yeah
1: that's all what? i have for the week yeah
0: yeah, I know. That's why I was beginning my uh, my wrap up there.
1: Okay, you don't have to get you don't have to get salty with me.
0: I didn't get salty with you.
1: <laughs> Testy?
0: I in no way. Anyway, uh, thank you all for listening. You should be subscribed to the show so you get new episodes when they come out. You should give it reviews, and I know everybody always says that, and it always seems like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a thing I'll do, and then nobody actually does it, but it really is easy enough to just hit the stars, and if you are so inclined, write, like, a sentence in there. It just shows that you cared enough to write any sentence, which means that the, uh, The algorithms see it as important, and that helps more people hear the show. Uh, You should be checking out Above the Law, as always, to read these stories as they happen. You should be following us on social media. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine1, the numeral one there in that uh, particular handle uh you should check out our other shows she's the host of the jabot i am a guest on the legal tech week journalists roundtable you should be listening to the other shows by the legal talk network that we do not host but that we uh, listen to thank you to lexicon and nota powered by mt bank for sponsoring the show and with all of that i think we are now done peace